All right, our message this morning is entitled Bible Principles to Calm the Panic of the Pandemic. How do you like them apples? All right, we're in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4. And uh, I like that word principles. I'll say more about that here in just a minute. Uh, I've noticed that whenever something like this happens, uh, a lot of pastors feel like that they have to be profound and give you some kind of inside track into what's going on and what you need to do and so forth. Um, I mentioned at street ministry yesterday, as I was telling them what our plans were for today, I said that, you know, the I said the older people are welcome or encouraged to stay home because they're at greater risk. And uh, I, I think that uh, Miss Dot was going to hit me or something. No, she wasn't. She wasn't, but... But uh, they were all raising, what, what do you classify as uh, old? And, <laughs> and I said, tell you what, I said, uh, y'all are older and wiser than me. You do whatever you feels best. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need some young punk like me telling you how to manage something like this. But, you know, it just amazes me how everybody has a take. Everybody's thought about it. Everybody tries to be profound uh, I have no desire or attempt to be profound today. I believe that my job, my responsibility as your pastor is to just give you some Bible principles that will not only help in this pandemic, what we're going through right now, but they're principles that will go right across the board because when this blows over, guess what? There's probably going to be something in the near future and really uh, things like this no doubt, are going to be somewhat periodically a part of our life from here on out. And I think that this one definitely has set that precedence. And so these are some Bible principles that will help no matter what you're going through. And uh, there's all kinds of things that we all go through that may have nothing to do with the virus, may have nothing to do with anything that anybody else is at risk for, but just something that you're going through These principles, folks, they'll work. Why? Because they are the Word of God and not the opinion of man. Matthew chapter 4, one verse, verse number 4, Jesus speaking, but He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's so good to be in Your house today. Uh, Father, I, I had no idea that uh, it would be as uh, good as it has been, Lord. Uh, I, I don't sense any awkwardness. I sense an excitement and a happiness and a joy to be here. And Father, I pray that even though our routine and rituals are out of order, I pray, Father, that you'd actually use that, uh, God, to get our attention, uh, to get us focused on heavenly things, on on things of truth. And God, I pray that you'd give us the principles that we need, Father, to keep our hearts and minds calm and on the right track, on your track and in your will. We pray now that you'd use this. We pray for all of our live stream listeners. We thank you for them. We pray, Father, that this message would be a help and an encouragement to them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Principles are truths to live by. Principles should determine our decisions, our direction, our thoughts, our actions, our feelings, and yes, our fears. 
In our text here, Jesus makes it clear that we do not live by the natural, normal things in life. I get hungry, don't you? I'm a little hungry right now, even though I had a good breakfast. How many of you are hungry right now? All right, let me look and see which ones of you are. If I'm upset at you, I'm going to preach a long, long time. Of course, you're like, well, we'll just walk out. (laughs) Hey, there are natural, normal things in life. When you're hungry, what do you do? You eat. There, There are just certain things that it's just the way that life works. But notice that when Satan tempted Jesus, his answer was, There are times when we ignore the natural, normal things because the Word of God is what we live by. We don't live by the natural things of life. We live by the spiritual things. Not the seen things, but the unseen things. Like it or not, the coronavirus is a pandemic. I I didn't think I'd be saying that here today. I fully expected the hype to fizzle out. But it didn't. I have no idea. I'm not going to be profound and tell you what I think, whether the hype is justified or not. I'm going to leave that into the hands of people that are a whole lot more uh, more intelligent and educated than I am. But we have to deal with it. Pandemic means that it's just, it's everywhere. It's affecting everyone. And we can say that for the most part, it's affecting the entire world right now. Everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's doing things about it. And so it didn't fizzle out. Here it is. We were in Idaho four days ago. Now, you don't have to get too uh, too worked up about it because it was only four days ago. I'm not shaking your hand. I'm not going to give you a hug or a kiss. And uh, I checked this morning, five cases of coronavirus in the state of Idaho. A couple days ago, there were none. And, and I've been telling people that, you know what? Nobody knows where Idaho is, including viruses. <laughs> I mean, the Chinese government sent viruses to Idaho, and they ended up in Iowa. Go figure. But uh, seriously, though, um, seriously... Um, we, we need to use some common sense and be careful. Uh, I, I believe that I stand a greater risk of dying, not from coronavirus, but from hand sanitizer poisoning because of the woman that I'm married to. <laughs> literally, literally. So I promise you, we are we are as careful as any human being possibly can be. So, anyhow, number one, let's take a look at the first principle. We're called to be soldiers, not survivors. Think about that one for just a moment. God has called us to be soldiers. In Acts chapter number 15, verse 25... Paul said, it seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says a lot about a soldier. And I'm sure that you've seen soldier movies. I'm sure that you've read soldier books. And some of you have been soldiers. 
the job of a soldier is not to put on the uniform and put the, the weapon in their hands and go out there and try to survive the battle. That is not their goal. Their goal is to go out and to defeat the enemy. A soldier who's only worried about his own survival will not and cannot be a good soldier. Our goal in life is to serve Christ. We obey orders. Personal comfort and safety are secondary. I'm not saying that personal comfort and safety are not important. I'm saying that the Bible teaches that they are secondary. The soldier doesn't live recklessly or carelessly, but neither does he live selfishly. Uh, in, um, I, I was watching a, a war, um, it was a film, but it was based on accurate facts. And there was a group of paratroopers that had just been dropped into, I believe it was Bastogne in World War II. And as some of the, as one company was leaving and the other company of reinforcements was coming in, one of the supply clerks said to the captain, he said, well, captain, we're surrounded. And the captain looked at him and said, soldier, we're paratroopers. We're supposed to be surrounded. And I thought, how, how profound is that? If we would remember that we are here to serve Christ as soldiers and not just to try to seek our own comfort and our own safety. Second Timothy 2 verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't say avoid hardness. It says endure hardness, because if we're serving Christ, then it's not always going to be an easy path. We're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're going to go through some sufferings. Do you know that the sufferings that you have been through or the sufferings that you are going through, if you will have the heart of a soldier, there is one day coming when God's going to take your suffering and He's going to turn that into ammunition that you can use in this battle against the devil. You can use it to help other people if you don't view it just simply selfishly on how it's affecting you. Hey, we're just pilgrims passing through in this life that we live. You've heard the song, and I'll spare you me singing it, but I'll read you the lyrics. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. So principle number one, remember it, we are called to be soldiers, not survivors. Principle number two, we should worry about eternal concepts rather than earthly conspiracies. I've, I've heard all kinds of things already, and I'm sure that there's more to come. I've heard that China developed this virus for its population control. I've heard, of course, no doubt that you've heard, or maybe even think that the Democrats created it to take down the economy and take down President Trump. And everything in between, and I'm sure that there's new stuff coming, but you know what? Um, you know what's crazy? Speaking of our president, uh, I'm just amazed, and I've already said this, but how that the news media has handled the leadership of our president. And he has handled things more 
uh, forthright and aggressively, and I believe wisely, than his predecessor. And, boy, they cut him all kinds of slack, but they're not cutting our president any slack. I think that they're selfish, and I think that... Uh, I certainly hope that the American public recognizes it and will do something about it come November's election. In Luke chapter number 4, in verse number 5, it says, The devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. This is, this is the devil talking to Jesus, the Word of God, the Creator, the Genesis 1-1 and the John 1-1. And the devil is talking to the Son of God and tempting him with something that he actually possessed that he could give to Jesus. Now, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. But he has not yet returned to this earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For the time being, that has been distributed to Satan. And Satan has oversight and has power over all the kingdoms of this world. You think maybe there's a conspiracy? Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Because the devil is a conspirator. And you know what? If nothing else, this pandemic has demonstrated how easy it will be for the Antichrist to get the entire world on the same page. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, wow, it's just, it's, it's amazed me through, through technology and through communication and everything. It's like, wow, everybody, and, and, and listen, they may know some things that, that we don't know as far as the threat of this this virus, but just strict numbers. They, there's, there's all kinds of viruses and things that have caused more health concern that they didn't get all worked up over those. And so I'm scratching my head and going, well, there's either something they're not telling us or they're smarter than me, but this just doesn't add up. But one thing that it does do, it lets me know that uh, it's not going to be any big problem for the Antichrist to get everybody on the same page. Now, that doesn't worry me or concern me because personally, I don't plan on being here. Now, you can be here if you want. If you're not saved, then you might ought to worry about that. But if you're a born-again Christian, uh, we've got a blessed hope. And I'm looking for, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ, my Savior. I don't plan on being here when all of that stuff happens. You know, we can let Steven Anderson run the show. Because he doesn't seem to want to go up. Whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Live stream listeners, God bless you. Is there a conspiracy? More than likely. But it's not our business. So we need to just mind our own business and the things that we can control and that we can know there's no point in getting all distracted and worked up about all of these suspicions and theories and whatnot. What are you going to do about it if you're right? There's nothing that we can do about it. If you if you think that there's a conspiracy going on, 
then, hey, you might be right. Go out and win somebody to Jesus Christ and make a difference. If you really believe your theory, then go do something about it that really matters. All right? So there's two principles. Let's go to principle number three. Number three, suffering. I would say suffering or the threat of suffering will make you either charitable or churlish. What do we mean by churlish? Well, a churlish person is selfish and narrow-minded. David, uh, before he uh, became the king of Israel, he ran into um, ran into um, Nabal, who was a churl. He was a a selfish, narrow-minded. Really, to put it quite frankly, he was just a jerk. And suffering will make you either charitable or churlish. In Romans chapter number 14, there's a biblical guideline on how we should look at others that don't see things the way that we do. I don't have time to study all of Romans 14 with you this morning, but I'd encourage you to read it because in times like these, everyone and I mean everyone, generally has a strong opinion about what's going on and what we ought to do about it. And not everybody sees eye to eye. When people deal with things differently, it is possible that one is right and the other is misled. But that doesn't mean that if you're right, that you have to be an arrogant jerk about it. Romans 14, verse number 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. I um, Friday morning, this whole coronavirus thing, just it had just overnight had just started exploding as far as what's going on in our nation. Sports leagues canceling. And, you know, when you start thinking about the, the, the sports is the God of America. And you can always count. One thing you can always count on in America is covetousness. And when they start canceling seasons, I'm start thinking, whoa, this is, this is big time. They canceled the Masters golf tournament. I, I cried. Not really. I, I didn't cry. But I thought, wow, you mean that's still, that's still out in April and they're already postponing or canceling stuff. It's like this, this just became such a big deal overnight. And so I really, as I said earlier, I expected the hype to fizzle out. And so I really wasn't worrying about what we we're going to do. I thought it was just going to be, you know, yawn and go on business as usual. But, Friday morning, I realized that as a pastor, I've got some decisions to make. And um, I had to start figuring out what do we do as a church? Do we have church? Do we not have church? Do we have, you know, all of the different decisions? And listen, I, I talked to some preachers. Uh, I talked to some people that I felt that uh, had uh, kind of some knew how people were thinking and feeling, and I tried to gather all the information that I could. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Uh, I, I listened to people's input, and I tried to take that into the equation. 
But the number one thing that I tried to do is I, I prayed and I said, God, show me what you want us to do. And so uh, one thing that I will say is that every, I, I kept leaning back and forth as to what we were going to do today. One, one moment I'd be leaning toward this direction, another toward the other. And I, it was just one thing that I can tell you that everything about this, there's no absolute across the board thing to do, at least not right now. Now, if this thing blows up and really becomes a, a, a super risky health threat, then yeah, we'll, we'll take some greater, stronger precautions and try to take care of our people. But one thing I know is that there just wasn't anything absolute that I could sink my teeth in. And so be careful that you don't criticize people that make decisions regarding this that are different than you. Some people are going to lean more toward being precautious. Other people are going to say, well, you know what, I'm not worried about it. And so don't be critical or arrogant about it. Uh, this is not the time for those type of thoughts. This is the time to pray and to uh, be um, followers of that which makes for peace, as Romans 14 says. Humility, charity, understanding. Uh, only time will tell who's right. You understand that? Only time will tell. You have an opinion that this is just this is just uh, overhyped, and things get out of hand. You might look back and say, "You know what? I was wrong." Um, I hope, I, I hope that those of you, I hope that those of us in this country that think that this is just going to be horrible, I hope that they're wrong. Don't you? Uh, I would just assume I, I don't particularly like being sick. Do you? And I certainly don't like it when anyone that I know and love is sick as well. So we should worry about eternal concepts rather than earthly conspiracies. Number three, suffering. The threat of suffering will make you either charitable or churlish. And then number four, if you're living by fear, you're not living by faith. Fear and faith are two contrary concepts. And if fear is controlling your life, then you've got a problem with your faith. Fear is a very powerful, God-given emotion. Uh, I believe that God gave me a healthy fear of snakes. I don't like them. I don't like spiders either. There's a lot of things that I don't like. There's a lot of things that I am afraid of. I'm afraid of, um, I'm a, I'm, I have, I don't just panic over heights. We, uh, we took Josh out to a place in southern Idaho called Swan Falls and there's some like, uh, western canyons and plateaus and he took his drone out there to do some filming. And, um, as we get up there toward the edge to look over down into the canyon, some members of my family were, uh, no, I'm not getting near that. And, and the reality of it was, is there, there was safe ground there. It wasn't like you were standing at the edge of a cliff. You were really quite a ways away from that. But the perspective from back here, you didn't know that. You couldn't see that. 
And so some people are more afraid of heights than others. But wouldn't you agree that if you fall off of a 200-foot cliff, you're probably going to get hurt? So you should be afraid, not of heights, but you should be afraid of falling from heights. And so what do you do? You try to use some wisdom and some precaution and so forth. You don't, you, you use that fear in a healthy manner. When fear overrules our faith, then um, we don't make the best decisions in our life. It can get us off track. Now, one would think that God is um, is really understanding of our fears. I mean, after all, it's a feeling, it's an emotion, right? But consider Luke chapter number 8. In Luke 8, 24, we've got Jesus in the boat with the disciples. The storm is about to apparently sink the ship. It says, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Hey, boys, I understand how you feel. No, he didn't say that. He said, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. You know that Jesus had already told them that they're going to make it to the other side. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We should go by what the word of God says, and not by what our fears tell us. Because there's going to be perceived peril, there's going to be actual peril, but if we're living by fear, then we are not living by faith. Once again, faith is not reckless behavior. Faith is not stupidity. Uh, you can use uh, common sense and, and just, just use some wisdom. Faith and wisdom are not enemies, but we don't have to let our fears control us. In Mark 8, verse 33, But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples... He rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Hey, what was Peter's problem? His problem was he was living by fear and not by faith. Jesus had told him, Look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify, they're going to crucify me and you're all going to be considered, you're going to be persecuted. And Peter did not like what Jesus was saying because Peter being, you know, Peter it was a type A personality in my opinion. Peter was a strong personality. He was a strong leader. But you know what? Some people that are strong leaders are also control freaks. Anybody in this? Don't, don't raise your hand. We know who you are. <laughs> You're probably saying, we know who you are, preacher. <laughs> but um, Peter wanted to be in control of what was going on. And in his mind, he's trying to protect Jesus. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. And Jesus didn't have compassion on Peter's ego. Jesus didn't have compassion on Peter's personality. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
And so that goes back to our concept. It's not, we can't let fears, we can't let our personality or our disposition control how we live. We're supposed to live by faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you're living by fear, you're not living by faith. In conclusion, I'd like to say this. We've been warned of perilous times. We've been warned. 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come. Brothers and sisters, the real pandemic is the viral infection of sin that entered this world in the Garden of Eden. The Word of God says clearly, for the wages of sin is death. I hope that nobody that I knows, I hope that none of you, nobody in this church becomes sick or certainly that no one dies as a result of this viral threat. But I do know one thing, we're all eventually going to die someday, somehow. And the reason is because of the pandemic that the world ought to be concerned about, should have been concerned about last week should have been concerned about last year, and that is the pandemic, and it is a pandemic, it's worldwide, it's global, it's affecting every human being, it is the viral infection of sin. And you know what? I think back at my personal testimony, in my teenage years, I was so selfishly and wickedly in love with this world, I loved my sin. And many times my sin would cause me guilt. Many times my sin would cause me harm. But it wasn't until I got thoroughly sick of my sin that my heart ever turned away from the world and turned toward God. The viral infection of sin had to make me so sick of my sin, that that and that alone turned me in repentance toward my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's the viral infection that we need to be the most concerned about. It's the thing that has been in this world for over 6,000 years, and the only, the only antivirus, the only cure, uh, the only shot that we can take is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. As a final reminder, all these principles, and there are certainly more principles and more promises in the Word of God that we can cling to during these crazy times, but I'd like to remind you of this absolute fact that's relevant to every single believer if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not only do you have a hope that no matter what happens, you're going to go to heaven and be in a place of peace and safety, but I will tell you this, that even in this life that we live in, no matter what happens, 
And I'll say it again, no matter what happens, Romans 8.28 has a wonderful promise and a wonderful consolation that is relevant to all of us. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Let's look for the rainbow and the rain. Let's, I hate to use it, it's such a worn out cliche, let's make lemonade out of the lemons. Let's look for something good. People are afraid, people are concerned, people are in panic. This might be the best opportunity of our lifetime to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This might be something that instead of people being all self-centered and and concerned about themselves, they might start thinking about eternal things and they might actually have an attentive spirit and be interested in our witness in telling them about the about the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if it'll happen. I know that, as I've already said, troubles and trials are either going to drive people away from God or they're going to drive people toward God. But maybe God will take and work something good out of this and help us to serve Him and give us opportunities to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You, Lord, for uh, the blessings of God. We thank You for the promises of God. And Lord, we thank You that in times like these, we have an anchor, not only for our soul, but we have an anchor for our thoughts. We have an anchor for our feelings. And I pray, God, that you would use all of these things to get our focus on the Bible and on your word and on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do pray for your protecting hand upon us. Uh, we pray, God, that you just keep each and every one of us safe from all harm whether it be viral or otherwise, and help us, uh, Lord, to stay focused upon you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you remain seated, heads bowed and eyes closed? Perhaps maybe something has been said in the message here this morning that spoke to your heart. We'd like to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to come forward here to an old-fashioned altar and pray. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, I realize that this was not a salvation message per se, but I'm fairly certain that most everyone here that you know the message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And I don't have to tell you that you're a sinner. If you'd be honest with yourself, then you know it. And if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, then you certainly know that you're a sinner in need of salvation. The issue generally is not, do I know how to be saved? The issue is, do I want to be saved and do I want to be saved right now? That's something that is totally between you and God. But we care about you and we want to give you an opportunity to get saved this very moment if you uh, have a desire to be saved. Every head and every eye, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to be saved, we'd like to invite you to come down to this altar and get on your knees and tell the Lord that you're a sinner. Tell Him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and then just ask Him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved right here today. 
you're uncomfortable with coming forward, it doesn't matter where you're at. It matters where your heart is. And so you can ask the Lord to save you right there where you're seated. Believers, this is a time for prayer. This is a time for faith. This is a time for the grace of God in all of our lives. And God spoke to your heart here this morning. The altar is open for you as well. I'm going to give you just a few minutes of silence as the pianist plays. If God's spoken to you, you come.